So I'm dressed for what? Yeah, I'm not, it's not uh, date night, right? Although, if, fellas, if you find a lady that thinks this is what date night looks like, she is a keeper. Do not throw her back. Yeah, we're talking about fishing today. And um, just a few, just a couple years ago, I was on a boat with a few guys. I think we were on the Columbia or maybe the Willamette, and we were fishing for salmon. Yes? Andy, you were there. Andy caught a beautiful, beautiful salmon. And later on, I caught a much bigger, <laughs> beautiful salmon. Am I, am I right? Do you remember? Am I right? Now, I don't fish much, so I don't know what that says about Andy's fishing skills. But it's kind of the luck of the draw when you hire a guide. You just kind of fish on, and then you go after it. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, when Jesus went fishing, um, he, he kind of went after some disciples, and that's what they did. They were fishermen. Lucky hat. Thanks, Andy. So he went after disciples, and he was so creative, and he was so intentional. Um, it's, it's just fun to see how Jesus called people to follow him. Before we get into the scriptures, I wanted to share a picture of, of my fish. Now... <laughs> That's my fish on the left, and on the right is the biggest fish I ever caught. That is a 100-pound um, halibut. Caught that in Alaska. And, I mean, those are my biggest fish. But you, do you want to see my, my biggest catch, my best catch? The best catch of my life is this next photo. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you didn't know you were going to be on screen today, baby. Yes, my sweet Vangela definitely was my best catch. Yeah, I know, me with hair, oh boy, if I could only, if I could only go back in time. Okay, I'm going to take this off, this is just a little too much. Okay, so let's jump into this. Jesus went fishing, he went hunting, searching for followers. He's still looking for followers. I was 10 years old when I got hooked on Jesus, and I don't know what your story is, but there's something about being captured by Jesus. Your heart changes. Your past changes. Your future changes. Jesus changes everything. Um, we're going to be in the book of Mark and the book of Luke when Jesus is referencing uh, fishing. It's the first chapter of Mark. Let's talk about Mark just for a minute before we look at the scripture. Um, Mark was, uh, his, his name was John Mark, and he basically was kind of a buddy of Peter. He was a follower and a close friend of Peter. And so really, this could be called the book of Mark seen through the eyes of Peter, because they're so close, and Peter had such a influence on Mark. He was also writing to the Romans, so he was writing to a Roman audience. And if you can think of Rome and Romans, think gladiators, Colosseum, fast-paced, action-filled type of people. That's what the culture was. And so in this book, you will see phrases like immediately or at once Jesus was swept to, to, to the wilderness to be, temp to be tempted. And so those are some things you're going to notice. In the book of Mark, Jesus is portrayed as two things. One, he is servant-hearted. 
and two, kingdom-minded. He's talking about the kingdom. He's preparing people for the kingdom. He's also preparing people to lead in a different way. It's not by conquering, as Rome would think of a leader would be uh, a general. A leader would be um, a king or Pontius a pilot or, 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 you know, and they would take what they want. And so that is not how Mark portrays Jesus. He's servant-minded. Here's a picture of the Sea of Galilee where many of these fishing stories are held. Sea of Galilee right there and kind of uh, gives you an idea, right? Those hills around the Sea of Galilee were, were high. This, in reality, is a large lake, 650 feet below sea level. It's 150 uh, feet deep, and it's surrounded by hills. And so as Jesus walked beside this Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, Peter, and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake because they were fishermen. Here's a, maybe a picture of a boat that they could have crafted. Um, who knows? That's kind of like taken from like a movie, right? But they, they use nets that they didn't fish with poles. You know, you didn't catch a lot of fish if you fished all day, but if you used a net, you could catch a lot more fish. There's different methods. So Jesus says this, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. And without delay, he called and they left their father in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Now, something to be aware of. Jesus did not say, come and learn to obey the rules with me. He did not say, come and follow the traditions of your forefathers with me. He didn't say, come and, and keep the carpet for 21 years the same. He said, follow me. Follow me. Step one, follow Jesus. The Christian life is not a bunch of rules, although there are rules. It's not a bunch of regulations. There are regulations and rituals, but it's more. It's simply following Jesus, learning to do what he did. If you become hooked on Jesus, then you begin to do what he does. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free pass. It's not once and done. That is Savior Jesus. But Lord and Savior means daily. You become more like him. So where are you today? Have you been hooked on Jesus? Have you been caught in the net of grace? Or are you still figuring it out? Are you still, you're not ready to take the bait. You think there's a trick, something else behind it. Here's the cool thing, that when we follow Jesus, we want to do what he does. He doesn't call these fishermen to go build buildings. He calls them to do what they already do for the kingdom. Jesus didn't come primarily to heal. He did heal, but maybe not primary. Otherwise, his focus would have been a hospital or medical. Jesus didn't come primarily to teach, although he did teach greatest teacher ever, ever. But he would have founded schools and universities if that was his main focus. He came to rescue 
He came to redeem. He came to seek souls and save the lost. That's why he came. He was trying to show people something more than what the world could offer. Because I tell you what, I find a lot of joy in what the world offers. I find a lot of happiness in my marriage to Vangela and, and just having fun together, laughing. There's more to life than just what makes you happy. There's purpose and meaning that Jesus wants to kind of help us focus on. So what does it mean to become fishers of men? I don't know. I don't know. But when Jesus says, go fish, it, it's a, it reminds me of a simple game that we played as children or we play with our kids, right? It's a simple game. The game is you are looking to find a match. But if I need a five of clubs, I ask you, five of clubs. And if you don't have a five of clubs in your hand, what do you say? Go fish. You don't want to go fish, but you do in this game searching for a match, searching for a pair. Luke chapter 5 tells about another time Jesus says, uh, go fish, literally. Uh, he was teaching from a boat just offshore, and he tells Peter and James and John to go row out into the deep waters and cast the nets to where this is the fun time when Peter kind of goes, Jesus, thank you, you're a great teacher, but we've been fishing all night, you see? And you see, the sun's up. It's not a great time to go fishing. That's why we came to the shore. And you're asking us to go in the middle of the morning and back out to the deeper waters and cast the nets. And Jesus is just like, just, just do it, you know. Now, listen to this. Um, if you look at the chronology, the chronology of Luke, of like the timeline, when this was asked of Jesus to his disciples, he had already been baptized. God spoke from heaven. This is my son. Um, he turned water into wine already. He chased out demons. He healed Peter's mother-in-law already. Peter had seen Jesus in action and still doubted, still tried to give him a little bit of criticism, like, you do what you do and we'll do what we do. This wasn't really uh, a blind action of faith. It was based on history of what Jesus had done already. So eventually, Peter does what he was asked to do. Sometimes we're called to do something, we're nudged to do something, and we don't want to do it. And you know in your heart, oh, I just feel like God told me to do this, and you just keep driving by. Or you don't pick up the phone and call. There are, there are examples now. Those are examples from my life. And so I know that God nudges me. And I've been praying for, it's probably going on over a year. God, I want to hear your voice more. I want to I discern you more. That when I wake up, I give you my day. I say those prayers. But I really do, God, want you to kind of interrupt me. Interrupt my day. Bring someone by. Make a call. Let me do what you do, Jesus. And yet I miss the mark often. And yet... I stay focused. I try to continue in that way. It's just something interesting. Peter still acted in faith. Jesus didn't punish him for being skeptical. You want to question God? You want to kind of push back? Well, guess what? Jesus doesn't hammer you if you question him. Remember that, especially if you're young in here. You can question God. 
Questions are better than just doubting. Ask questions. Seek answers. And you will find. So, let's keep reading. That's why we study his story, history. It's why we memorize passages. It's how the Holy Spirit builds faith in us. It's how the, the Holy Spirit gets us to see how powerful and gracious God is, is when we take a little step and just trust. We do our part, God does the... I heard it over here. We do our part, God does the... What did you say, Jerry? Oh, his part. Okay, all right. You're, you're okay. You can stay. You can stay. You can stay. Sometimes you just feel like that's just not the way we should do it, Jesus, right? You ever been asked, do something, you're like, that's not how we do it. So, fishing for men, fishing for people means bringing people, man or woman, to Jesus. Sometimes it's bringing yourself to them. You know why Jesus called Peter, James, and Andrew, and John to be fishers of men? Yeah. The Sunday school answer, it's pretty obvious, right? Captain Obvious. They were already doing fish. They were working with fish. They knew how to catch fish. So when Jesus called Matthew, the tax collector, did he ask Matthew to go fishing? No. Guess what? He still did. In his way, he invited all of his friends to a dinner party with Jesus as the special guest so they could meet him. He still went fishing, but in his way. Do you see the difference? So, my first point, good fishermen go where the fish are located. Good fishermen go where the fish are located. I I saw a funny picture of a guy fishing in the wrong place. He had the right purpose, but the wrong place. You're like, really, dude? I mean, the puddle looks like a fish, but is he going to catch anything? Maybe a cold. Maybe a cold. People without Christ, and here's the truth, church. People without Christ are not knocking down the doors of our church or other churches in America. They're just not. We have to go where they are. We have to take the gospel to them. We have to go and make disciples of all nations. The Great Commission starts with that word. So, Max Lucado, one of my favorite authors, he's got a way with words. He says this like so. Max Lucado wrote, and I quote, Jesus wasn't crucified in a church building over a baptistry between an organ and a piano. In front of a bunch of coats and ties, he was crucified on a cruel cross between two hardened criminals. He wasn't crucified in a nice neighborhood, but at a crossroads of the world. So cosmopolitan that his crime had to be written in three languages. His crime was written in three languages. He died at the kind of place where thieves cursed, soldiers gambled. And that's where we need to take the gospel. That's where we need to go. My second point, good fishermen understand how fish behave. Now, if Andy were to take me out on his beautiful boat, and we were to go fishing again, and yet we had to use lures and change bait, I guarantee he would outfish me every day of the week and twice on Sunday. 
I don't fish enough. I don't have experience with that, but I know Andy does. Sometimes it just helps to have the right friends to show the way. You don't have to go fishing for, for men alone. You can learn from others. The Andy Griffith Show, anybody grow up watching the Andy Griffith Show? Okay, I didn't because I'm not old, but... <laughs> sorry, sorry, don't throw things at me. I am old, all right, I'm almost 50 next year. I'm old. Woo! Quiet down over there. On the Andy Griffith Show, Opie was um, little, right? And Aunt B came to visit. And this was like a trial basis with Opie and Aunt B. And, and then you have Andy Griffith, and she was trying to fit in. She was trying to impress Aunt B was trying to impress Opie. And so um, Andy Griffith takes him fishing. He thinks, oh, we'll bond in a boat. And so they're fishing on the boat, and, and it, the scene kind of pans to, like, Andy and Opie, and they're casting their, and then they pan over to Aunt, Aunt B, and she's holding her pole out of the boat, and it's going down, and the bobber and the hook and the worm, it's about this high above the water. And she's just sitting there talking, and little Opie's like, you can see him look at her and look at He's like, well, what's up with her? And Andy's trying to make this go, right? So he says to Opie, oh, that's because she's going after flying fish. <laughs> that satisfied Opie. He's like, oh, cool, you know? It's obvious Aunt B did not understand how to fish. And if we're going to reach people for Christ, we must understand the world. We must understand the people we're trying to catch. You don't have to act or talk or live like a heathen to understand one. Yes? My third point, good fishermen use a variety of strategies. A variety of strategies. There's a lot of different ways to catch a fish. You can use a net from a boat, cast the net from shore. You can use a bow and arrow if you really want to try harder to not get one, or a rod and reel. Some people catch large catfish with their bare hands. You've seen those videos? They're right outside, Poof, and you got this, I mean, never will I try that. I'll just tell you right now, it ain't happening here. I just, that would be freaky. I, I don't even like water to begin with, okay? I mean, I do, no, I don't. I don't like water. But, dude, to stick your hand down there, no way. No way. For my, my luck, it would be jaws in that hole. <laughs> my imagination just doesn't help me. Um, Here's the, here's the thing to remember about people and fishing for, for men, fishing for men and women. When I say men, I mean all people, right? That word didn't mean a, a certain sex. It meant for all. Uh, the same strategy doesn't work for everyone. You've got to mix it up. You've got to find what works. Uh, in, in 1 Corinthians, uh, they're talking about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting with verse 4. When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, another says, I follow Apollos, Aren't you acting just like people of the world? You see, Paul, the mentor of Paul and Apollos, and Apollos is like partner, but he was still mentoring him. Um, He's trying to teach people. Like, you're looking at, like, who you want to follow based on human tradition, human philosophy. There's more to it, guys. Don't get wrapped up in the world's ways. He says, after all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work of the Lord that he gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. Who makes it grow, church? God. God. 
Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants, the one who waters, work together for the same purpose. Because of God's grace to me, Paul says, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder, like lock buildings. That's where I work. Now others are building on that. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we have in Jesus Christ. The cornerstone. Later in his letter to the church in Corinth, Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 9. I have become all things to all men, so that by all means possible, I might save some. Paul understood what works for one will not work for another, and so he tried hard to not make them understand his way, his language, but to say, here, let's try it your way. Let me come into your world and draw you to Jesus. Be of the world, right, but not in it. You'd be in the world, but not of it, I think. Is that, what's the scripture? Yes, Sam, nod your head. Okay, okay, I'm good. Yeah, don't become like the world. So Jesus wants to use you wherever you already are. Here's the cool thing. You don't need to figure it out. You don't need to take a master class. You just need to say, God, what do I have in my context? Are you a, a husband, a wife? Are you a, a mother, a father? Are you a son or a daughter? Are you an employee or a business owner? Are, are you a nurse? Uh, are you a dentist? Are you an engineer? What do you have? God can use it. Turn to someone and say, thank God. The worst feeling in the world is getting picked like last for a team or not getting picked at all. It's like elementary dodgeball all over again in my mind. I was like this tall in fifth grade and I was never picked. I was either the last or even worst. I was the like, I wasn't the second, uh, the second to last guy at least gets picked. But the last guy in line, he has to just go over and walk to the team and be like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's the worst. Here's what Jesus might have said to you based on what you do. Um, if you're a banker, investor, work with money, he might say, follow me, and you, you can tell people about the best eternal investment they'll ever make. If you're a teacher, he might say, follow me, and I'll help you teach eternal truth. Maybe you're a CPA, you might say, follow me, and I'll help you show people how to balance their lives with Jesus. Maybe you're a nurse or a physician. Follow me and I'll show you how to practice spiritual healing. A mechanic, follow me and I'll help you repair people's lives with God's love. Or if you build pole buildings like Andy and I, follow me and <laughs> follow me and we'll show you how to build an eternal foundation on God. A dentist, follow me and we can help fill the void in people's lives. An engineer, follow me and we'll create eternal designs that will last forever. If you're a barrel racer like Andy's daughters, follow me and I will show you how to win the race of life. And if you're a teenager and I see a couple in here, follow me and I will make you an example for all believers. 1 Timothy 4.12. You're ready to lead now. Not tomorrow, not when you get a diploma 
or get a job or get your first kiss, you're ready now. God can use you. So whatever it is that you do, Jesus wants to use it. Point number four, good fishermen expect to catch fish. I went hunting once with my buddies early on in my hunting career. I, I moved to Oregon. I was used to hunting whitetail in Wisconsin. We had a cabin. 20 guys would show up. All those old timers showed all those young guys how to do it and what to do and, and how you process an animal once you harvest the animal, Lord willing. I get out here and it's elk hunting and there's no cabin. There's just God's wilderness. And you got to walk 500 miles a day just to find an elk. It's crazy. Well, I show up to camp and I got my bow because that's truly the only way Jesus would hunt is with a bow and arrow. And I'm on, and they're inspecting. I'm, I pull up in like a little Honda Accord, you know? All these guys have these big trucks. Oh, geez. And so I pull up in my car and they're like looking around my stuff. And I'm like, what are you guys looking for? And one guy goes, you didn't bring a cooler, huh? And I go, why would I need a cooler? He's like, because if you get one, you got to bring it home. So obviously, you don't plan on getting an elk. I thought, oh, good point. Do you have a cooler I can borrow? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. So if you expect to get something, you expect to catch fish, then you better have a way to bring them home. Guess what? You are the hook. God's word is the bait. The church is the boat. The church is the boat. So let's keep the fish in the boat. Amen? Oh, man. It takes real courage to share your faith. We're talking about, like, fishing, right? We're talking about helping and finding. It takes courage to share your faith. Um, it, it, here's the thing. I went to college, and one of the things we would do in college, Christian college, is we would go door-to-door -door sharing the faith, sharing the gospel. Knock on the door, say something like, is there anything we can pray for you about? Have you ever, you know, put your trust in Jesus? If you died tonight, do you know where you would go? And all those other awkward questions. And it was super difficult for me at first. I got better at it the more I did it. But here's what I've learned. I was really feeling like, oh, man, we, we, we talked to 10 people today, and not one of them really, you know, two people let us pray for them. I felt like a failure. And then I went to seminary years later, and I was telling a seminary professor about that story. I'm like, ah, I just didn't feel like I, I, I could do so much better now. Ten years later, I could do so much better. I want to go back to those same apartments. And he goes, here's the deal, Jay. You're putting your faith, all your faith is in yourself to win someone. Really what God wants us to do is just show up. Just be present. Say a few things and let Jesus bring them in. We're not the bait. We're just the hook. So here's what I learned. That if it's God's will to bring someone to himself, and this is, these are some theological questions. Do you choose Jesus? Does Jesus choose you? But here's what I've learned personally. It's my job to just go fishing. See, Jesus isn't going to ask you how many fish you caught. That's up to him. I think what Jesus is going to ask you is how many times you went fishing. I think that's the question. So, my next point. Good fishermen are also patient. Good fishermen are patient. This, 
there may be another spot to move to. You might need to change bait, but they keep on fishing. Jesus said, follow me and I will what? I will, keyword, make you fishers of men. In other words, it's a process. You don't have to be great, but follow Jesus and you'll get better. Amen? The Bible says in James 5, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and the spring rains. So you too, be patient and stand firm for the Lord's coming. Let's be ready. Be ready. So to conclude this, I would say, um, how many of you here have been fishing? How many of you have not been fishing? Just say, hey, I've just I've really never fished. All right. So you raise your hand. How many fish have you caught? Zero. Because you've never been fishing. Yeah? I'm so glad there's one hand. That would have been really awkward if nobody would have. I figure here in the Northwest, that's probably a dangerous question to ask. Yes. It's foolish. It's silly. But that's my point. We got to go. Here's God's perspective. I saw a sign once that said, um, fishers of men, you catch them, Jesus will clean them. Yeah, if we had a church sign, I got one clap. Thank you very much over there. It wasn't my joke. I just saw it. I want to finish with a story and then a thought. Paul Harvey. Anybody see? Uh, remember Paul Harvey on the radio? And what was what, what was his tagline at the end? The rest of the story. I love Paul Harvey. Still today, I love his voice. I could like fall asleep to it. He told a story about the fishing society. Once there was a group of people called the fishing society. They gathered every week to talk about the importance of fishing but they never fished. They decided to build a big aquarium. They pulled their money, no pun intended, and built a new sparkling meeting hall named the Aquarium Center, but still no fish. They bought the newest and most modern fishing equipment on the market. They elected numerous committee members to operate the fishing society more efficiently. Finally, the fishing society decided to send a few brave members to go and live near lakes and oceans. They called them fissionaries. <laughs> These foreign fissionaries emailed pictures of themselves standing next to the water holding their catches of fish. Over the years, some members of the fishing society forgot about fishing altogether. After all, there was plenty uh, of things to keep them occupied at the aquarium. Some even struggled and suggested they change their name from the fishing society to just the society. After all, they didn't want to offend the fish. <sighs> Paul Harvey followed that story with, too many Christians no longer are fishers of men, but keepers of the aquarium. Mm. I wonder if you aren't fishing, are you truly following? If you're not fishing, ask yourself, am I following Jesus? Because the more we become like him, the more we do what he does. Matthew 11 says this, and this scripture spoke to me. I share it with you. Are you tired? This is the message version. It's a paraphrase. Phrase. Eugene Peterson kind of wrote it in the original language with his thoughts. It's beautiful. It says, are you tired 
Are you worn out? Even burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Listen to this line. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I want us to learn that unforced rhythm of grace. It's so beautiful. It says, I won't lay anything heavy on you. Just keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And let's remember this. Let's remember who we're fishing for. People just like you, just like me. Sinners who have been saved by grace. They need Jesus. It's kind of up to us. At least that's what Jesus says. It's up to Jesus. We got to do our part. So let's go fishing. Fishing using the same powerful spirit that the disciples used in Acts 2 when thousands of people came into the net and were caught for Jesus. Let's go fishing, believing that God's word and God's will will do their part. Let's go fish. When it seems like you may do no good, or when it seems impossible, go fish and see how God can do miracles still today and change someone's heart. So let's pray. God, give us the eyes to see the lost fish in our bowl. God, may we be bold in our actions, in our conversations. And Lord, maybe just be bold in, in how we live for you so others can see it. God, may we learn to use what we know. May we learn to bloom where we're planted for the gospel. And we join you in your mission to rescue and redeem people who need you. Amen.